Evidence and Answers. Muslims revere the Quran as the divinely inspired Word of God and believe it is perfect and without error. There are several lines of evidence Muslim apologists cite to support this claim. But how strong is the evidence for the inspiration of the Quran? How does it compare with the evidence for the Bible? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat examines the evidence for the Bible and the Quran, the holy books of the two largest religions in the world. Let's join Pat now as he presents a comparative study on the Bible and the Quran. We're going through our series on Islam, and now we're doing a comparative study on the Bible and the Quran. Remember, as we talked about previously, the Quran is considered uncreated and eternal. It is the perfect book. In fact, the perfect copy of the Quran has been given to us through the Prophet Muhammad. So if you are to go to heaven today, you would see the version of the Quran we have now is what you would see up there in heaven. The Quran is central to the life and culture of those in Islam. It is the reference for spiritual but also of all Muslims' daily living. So the Prophet Muhammad and the Quran are highly revered in Islam. And you cannot criticize either one of those. To criticize the Prophet or the Quran, you meet some very severe consequences. They are foundational to the religion of Islam. So the Prophet Muhammad and the Quran are foundational pillars to the religion of Islam. So if you can show that Muhammad was not the prophet of God and that there are some serious challenges and flaws to the Quran, the foundation upon which Islam stands then is shattered. So we're doing a comparative study on the Bible and the Quran this time. And so let's continue in our study as we look at the Bible and the Quran. Now remember, the Quran is believed to be the perfect book without error that has come down from heaven. And last time we looked at some of the alleged evidences that uphold the claim of inspiration of the Quran. The evidences included that the Quran is the most beautiful book written, that Muhammad was illiterate yet wrote this beautiful book, that it is perfectly preserved. We also looked at some of the alleged prophecies of the Quran, the unity of the Quran, the scientific accuracy of the Quran, and the mathematical structure of the Quran that goes according to the cadence to the number 19, the many changed lives of the Quran. And last time we gave a critique of the evidences that uphold the inspiration of the Quran. I concluded that the evidences that are used to uphold the inspiration of the Quran does not build a strong case for the inspiration of the Quran. Now we're also going to take a look at the evidence here, the scientific accuracy, the historical accuracy, and the consistency of the Quran. If there is just one flaw in this book, then it's claimed to be the perfect book that's come down to us from heaven, then will seriously be in question. Now, the Quran claims to be the perfect book without error. Chapter 15 of the Quran states, We have without doubt sent down the message, and we will assuredly guard it from corruption. Chapter 18 of the Quran says, Praise be to God who hath sent to his servant the book, and hath allowed therein no crookedness. 
Chapter 39 of the Quran says, It is a Quran without any crookedness therein, in order that they may guard against evil. So according to Islamic theology, the Quran is a perfect book and it stands without error. So let's take a look here. Is the Quran without error? Now if you read the Quran, remember how Muhammad was able to put together his belief system. He interacted with Christians, with Jews, but also with Gnostic and heretical forms of Christianity and also Gnostic heretical forms of Judaism along with Zoroastrianism and also the folk religion of the Middle East there. As he was trading and interacting with these caravan traders, he came across all these particular religions and melded them together. And so you see those teachings throughout the Quran. Now, the Quran, remember, claims to be the perfect book that has come down to us from heaven. Yet, we have some historical errors in the Quran. For example, chapter 20 of the Quran teaches that the Samaritans tricked Moses and the people of Israel during the Exodus. Well, if you know your biblical history or, or just your world history, you'll know that the Samaritans didn't exist during the time of Moses and the Exodus. The Samaritans don't appear till about a thousand years later. That is a serious historical error there. Chapter 28 of the Quran teaches Muhammad taught that Haman, the Persian, in the book of Esther, the one who wanted to eradicate the Jews, was an associate of Pharaoh in the days of Moses. Now that is a 900-year error there. The Quran, chapter 18 of the Quran, teaches that Alexander the Great was a Muslim who worshipped Allah. Now those are just a few of the historical errors we find in the Quran. Now the Quran also claims to be a scientifically accurate book. Now I've talked to Arabic scholars on this, and so the translation we have in English is accurate to the things that I'm about to say right now. Chapter 86 of the Quran teaches that sperm comes from a man's chest. Chapter 23 of the Quran says that man was made from a clot of blood. Chapter 18 of the Quran says that the sun goes down in a muddy spring. Chapter 27 of the Quran talks about Solomon speaking to the ants. So we have what appear to be some serious scientific errors here in the Quran. Now within the Quran itself, remember one of the proofs of inspiration of the Quran is the unity and consistency of the Quran that it does not contradict itself. Yet we have some difficulties here in the Quran, some contradictions here. In chapter 7 and 10 of the Quran, it says the creation of the world occurred in six days. But in chapter 41 of the Quran, creation occurred in two to four days. In another part in the Quran, it says Noah's sons refused to enter the ark and they drowned according to chapter 11 of the Quran. But in chapter 21 of the Quran, it states that they were all saved. Chapter 18 verse 29 of the Quran states that humans are responsible for their choices. But in other passages like chapter 17 verse 13 and chapter 10 verse 99 says that every man's fate is sealed and decided by Allah. Now there are some serious contradictions between the Quran and the Bible here. 
Chapter 5 of the Quran teaches that the doctrine of the Trinity is Jesus, Mary, and God the Father. Now, that's an error here. Even if Muslims don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity was around at least 600 years before Muhammad. So when Muhammad spoke of the doctrine of the Trinity, he at least needed to get that right. The Quran also denies the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was 100% man and 100% God. Now that's something that the Quran clearly denies and has gotten incorrect. That's something that the Bible taught, even the prophecies of the coming Messiah taught that he would be 100% God, 100% man, and also the early church fathers and uh, Roman and Jewish historical sources taught that the Messiah would be divine or that Christians believe Jesus was the divine Son of God. That was taught for centuries. And on what historical basis does Muhammad reject that? The Quran denies the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, on what historical basis does Muhammad and the Quran reject the death and resurrection of Christ? This is one of the most well-attested to ancient historical events. Even if you don't believe in the resurrection, the evidence for the crucifixion of Christ is very compelling and powerful. On what historical basis does Muhammad reject the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Chapter 41 of the Quran says that creation was in two to four days, which would be in contradiction with the Genesis account. Chapter 2 of the Quran teaches that Adam and Eve were cast to earth after sinning in the Garden of Eden. You know, that would go against what Genesis chapter 3 taught, that the Garden of Eden was upon the earth and that Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Chapter 7 of the Quran teaches an interesting story that at Mount Sinai, the Jews rejected God's law and therefore God threatens to destroy the Jews at Sinai by lifting Mount Sinai over them and threatening to crush them. Now that is an apocryphal Jewish legend. It's not recorded in the Bible. Chapter 9 speaks of the Jews calling Ezra the Son of God, something the Jews did not do. Also in the Quran, it confuses Mary, the mother of Jesus, with Miriam, Aaron's sister, there in the book of Exodus. In the Quran, chapter 19, it teaches that Jesus was born in the desert under a palm tree. Now this is one of the apocryphal books written centuries after the life of Christ. According to the Gospels, Jesus is born in the city of Bethlehem, in a stable, there in the city of Bethlehem, not in the desert. So we have some contradictions here with the Bible, and we need to look which one has the historical evidence to support its historical accuracy here. I'm going to say the thousands of archaeological discoveries and historical records support the historical accuracy of the Bible on these accounts here, especially on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the teachings regarding the nature of Christ here. So those are some serious contradictions the Quran has with the Bible, and I think those are some serious errors there in the Quran. Therefore, the divine inspiration and the beauty and the perfection of the Quran stands under serious question there.
Now, when it comes to the evidence for the inspiration of the Bible, I think the evidence for the inspiration of the Bible, you can build a much stronger case for its divine inspiration than you can for the Quran. One of the strongest evidences for the inspiration of the Bible is the words of Jesus himself. Jesus, who claimed to be the divine Son of God, who confirmed his claim to his miraculous, sinless life, death, and resurrection. Jesus confirms the inspiration of the Old Testament directly and the New Testament indirectly, but not the Quran. Now, you're going to have to listen to my radio show or read my articles on the historical reliability of the Gospels and the New Testament. Then what we have is a very accurate historical record of the life of Christ that shows he lived a very unique life. In fact, a miraculous life confirming his claim to be the divine son of God, especially the resurrection. There's much compelling evidence that the crucifixion and resurrection were indeed a historical event. So Jesus Christ, who confirmed his claim to be the unique divine son of God, confirms the authority of the Old Testament directly and the New Testament indirectly. We also have the unity and consistency of the Bible. Now, the Muslims also use that, but we show that there are some contradictions within the Quran itself. But remember, the Quran is written only by one author. Allegedly, it's written by Muhammad. Compare that to the Bible. You have over 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period covering deep theological and philosophical issues, and they do not contradict one another. They complement one another nicely. So there you have much greater diversity, yet a unity here, standing in contrast to the Quran, which was written allegedly by only one author, Muhammad. Also, you have the authorship of the Quran. God confirms his message and his messengers with acts of God or miracles. And the biblical authors were confirmed by miracles. Many did miracles over nature as the Quran confirms. It confirms that Moses, Jesus, and the prophets did miracles. But Muhammad, the author of the Quran, does not do any miracles. The authors also confirm their calling, if not miracles over nature, by prophecy. And there are many prophecies from the biblical writers, but none from Muhammad in the Quran. Also, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 is quite significant here when it comes to the authorship of the Bible. Paul writes here, What advantage then is there being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, to the Jews have been entrusted the very words of God. And so it is to the Jewish people that the scriptures are given. So we have the writers of the Bible, the vast majority are Jewish in heritage. And the few that are not are very well connected to the Jewish community. So we must ask ourselves, was Muhammad Jewish? Well, it's pretty clear he was not. Was he well connected to the Jewish community? No, he was not. In fact, he was rejected by the Jews. That is why in the Quran, he categorized the Jews and even the Christians as enemies, those who were deluded and had strayed far away. Next, when it comes to evidence for the inspiration of the Bible, we have the record of prophecy. There are over 700 
Prophecies in the Bible. A good source of that is the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy by J. Barton Payne. That's a great work there that he records all the prophecies there in the Old and New Testament. There are over 700 there in the Bible. Hey, the Quran does not have that kind of prophetic legacy. The few prophecies that are used by Muslim apologists, as I explained earlier, can hardly be considered prophecy, especially on the level of biblical prophecy. Then we have the historical accuracy of the Bible confirmed by thousands of archaeological discoveries. You know, Randall Price, one of the top biblical archaeologists out there, says there's over 100,000 discoveries, historical writings, artifacts that confirm people, places, and events of the Bible. There's no book with such historical confirmation Now, that just shows you we have a very accurate historical record here. The Bible is a very accurate historical book. Yes, there are some historical difficulties there between archaeology and the Old Testament. But the biblical historical record shows where there have been historical difficulties with further discoveries, the Bible has shown itself to be accurate. Then the Bible also has been accurately preserved. For example, the New Testament. We have 24,000 ancient documents, 5,000 ancient Greek manuscripts. And then when you add to it translations and fragments and old canons and quotes from the church fathers, it comes to over 24,000 ancient documents that can affirm the accurate transmission of the New Testament. The New Testament that the biblical authors wrote has been accurately preserved. Yes, there are a few discrepancies. Even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, the Dead Sea Scrolls affirm the accurate preservation of the Old Testament. Now, there are some discrepancies. Yes, there are areas that the copyists made some errors, but there are none that are significant that would affect any major doctrine. Of the thousands of New Testament documents out there, there is none that say Jesus was not crucified or Jesus was not the divine Son of God. Nothing that would contradict any major teaching. The variations are very minor if you study them. And that's what you would expect, actually, if you had thousands of ancient documents from which to compare. But those thousands of documents show that we have a very accurate record to the original. And remember, when it comes to the inspiration and inerrancy of the Bible... It applies only to the original manuscripts, not to the copies. So our claim is, as far as the accurate transmission of the Bible, we say that we are accurate to the original text. Yes, there are some discrepancies here. And that inspiration and inerrancy only applies to the original. Unlike the Quran, which says they have a perfect copy here. It's a book which is eternal, which has come down from heaven and is perfect in every way. So the discrepancies we have in our Bible can be explained. Either they're copyist errors or translation errors or we've misunderstood the text somehow. But when it comes to the Quran, some of those errors that I pointed out really put the perfection of the Quran into serious question here. Also, you know, science affirms the inspiration and accuracy of the Bible. You know, just a few 
scientific discoveries which affirm the accuracy of the Bible. Genesis 1, that the universe has a beginning. And science has confirmed that the universe is not eternal, as many astronomers and scientists thought. Indeed, it has a beginning. Now, many call this the Big Bang. Now, the Big Bang is nothing Christians need to be afraid of. It shows that the universe has a beginning, so it is not eternal. And that's one of the big evidences for the existence of God because of the law of causality. But Genesis 1.1 taught in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word there, bara, means out of nothing. Isaiah 42 verse 5, that the universe has expanded. Isaiah 40.22, that the earth is round. Job 26, that the earth hangs alone in space in ancient times. The Greeks taught that a large man named Atlas upheld the earth. The Hindus taught that the earth rested on the back of two giant turtles. You know, so the Bible has proven itself to be scientifically accurate, that the universe was custom made for human life. And we could continue to go on. You'll have to listen to my radio show on the authority and inspiration of the Bible for that. But science affirms the accuracy of the Bible. But remember also, the Bible speaks in figurative, allegorical language as well. So that must be also taken in its proper context. And also, as Muslims point to the fact that there are millions of lives changed by the Quran, we can also use that as well. That millions of lives have been transformed by the Bible. Now, you put that all together we call this a cumulative case argument. You bring all the evidence together, and I believe that the evidence for the inspiration of the Bible is much stronger than that for the Quran. And for that reason, I believe that the Bible is the unique divine-inspired Word of God. And therefore, the inspiration and accuracy of the Quran should come under serious question here. When critiquing the Quran and Muhammad with your Muslim friends, be very careful and very gentle and very respectful as you give a critique here. And make sure that it is factual, right? Because these are Muhammad and the Quran are sacred in Islam. And to criticize either one of those two, you can meet severe consequences and can be very offensive to a Muslim. So build a good friendship with your Muslim friend and at the appropriate time, in a very gentle and respectful way, point out some of these issues and also be ready to present a strong defense when they look at you and say, okay, what makes you think Jesus is the divine Son of God and the Bible is the Word of God? And I would encourage you to go to evidenceandanswers.org, read our articles. We got a great book on Christian apologetics, Unless I See and other great resources and other radio shows and authors you can listen to and also go to their websites for information to get some great resources to equip yourself to engage your Muslim friends and family members in presenting to them a kind and gentle and factual critique of the teachings of Muhammad and the Quran and to be able to present a powerful, compelling case that Jesus Christ is indeed the divine Son of God, the only way to eternal life, and that the Bible is the unique, divinely inspired Word of God. I hope that this series has been helpful to you in understanding Islam 
and comparing Islam with the biblical teachings of Christianity. And I hope it's equipping you to share your faith effectively with your Muslim friends and family members. And to any Muslims who are listening, I pray that what I said does not offend you, but that you take a careful look at the claims of Jesus Christ and the case for Christianity. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you'll be with us again here on Evidence and Answers as we continue to present powerful reasons for faith and hope in Christ and answers to the challenges of today. Look forward to seeing you again here on Evidence and Answers. This concludes Pat's comparative study on the Bible and the Quran. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org and you can listen to this study and many of the other that are in this series on Islam. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us again as Pat continues to present compelling evidence for faith in Christ and biblical answers to some of the toughest challenges of today, right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh,